Oh, so good to, to be here in the house of God with y'all. What a wonderful time, even though it's raining outside. I don't think it was raining as hard as it was supposed to. So we have that, that going for us. But good to have you here. Nice, warm, sunny day. First day of the year we've had to run the air conditioner. <laughs> it got a little hot in here, so we, we switched it over. How many of you are up on Facebook and took a peek at what's going on here this morning? All right, we're getting that number up. We're now up to three. <laughs> what we're looking at here is the art of receiving. Do you know how to receive? You see, before I, bec- before I can become God's faithful servant, I must first receive what God has entrusted to me. I've got to learn to be a great receiver. And that's what we're going to be looking at here today. Do you think... You have received what God has for you. We're going to give you some clues as you can tell why. See, your language and your actions that you have will tell whether you are receiving the things that God has for you. You can tell just by the way that you talk and the things that you do. So we're going to give you some of those indications. But first, we're going to take a look at the Word of God. Here in Matthew chapter 10, over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at how God looks at the unfaithful. Because we were spending time into looking at the things God gave us to be faithful in. Before that, we saw that the Word of God said that few people are actually faithful. Even though most everyone thinks they are. And so we got to find out what God thinks is faithful. And so he broke that down into three areas. We looked at being faithful with the truth and with other people. That was the first area we, we looked at. And we knew that was a tough one. And then we went on from there. We looked at being faithful with the things God gave us. That's a little bit easier to look at, but still some folks were getting into a little condemnation about it. We didn't want that to go on, so we took a break, and we looked at how God looks at the unfaithful. We looked at Paul. He was unfaithful, and God still loved him. We looked at Gideon. We looked at Moses. We looked at different ones, uh, Abraham. And we saw that God looked at all these people, even when they were unfaithful, and still looked upon them favorably. And God's going to do the same thing for you, folks. He's going to look on you favorably. He's not going to look on you unfavorably. He's not going to condemn you. Even Gideon, as much as he had walked out of all the things that God had for him, God still came to him and said, Mighty man of valor. So now that we spent some time looking at how God looks at you, even though you're unfaithful, and last week we are looking at the great faithfulness of God and what we can learn from that. We're going to go back into... There's just a few more things to cover on the on the part that God has entrusted to us. In fact, the last time we were on this, which was a number of weeks ago now, um, I mentioned to Daryl, I said, Daryl, get this scripture ready, and I never got into it. So I said, well, we'll just have to save that for another time. So we're going to take a look at that one and some other ones. But here, Matthew chapter 10, and verse 40, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Now he says here, he who receives you. And a lot of times we look at things like, how do people receive me? Well, they didn't receive me. They didn't receive me. And we kind of look uh, disparagingly at, at that. But um, what about if we're on the flip side? What if we're one of the ones not doing the receiving? 
It says, he who receives you. But what about those we reject? What about the brothers and sisters in the Lord that we have rejected? What about the ministers that we have decided they're not, they're not worth our time or respect? We've rejected them. That means we're not receiving them. Look at this verse again. Keep that in mind as we read this. He who receives you receives me, and who receives me receives him who sent me. If I reject other people in the body of Christ, what am I doing to Jesus? I'm rejecting him. If I reject Jesus, what does that mean I'm doing with the Father? That is not a good place to be. This is why the enemy loves to tempt people to talk poorly about brothers and sisters, to talk poorly about other ministers, to get them to grumble and complain and to murmur. Because if you reject them, you will reject Jesus. And if you reject Jesus, you reject God. Now, does that get you kicked out of heaven? I don't know, but I'd rather not take the chance. My, my goal is not to see how close I can get to hell without getting in. We surely, we don't want to do that. We want to stay out of those areas. So what about those we reject? What about those we speak badly about? Haven't we been tempted by the enemy to take on his role as the accuser of the brethren? And when we're with other Christians, we start to speak badly about some minister or about some other believer. What did you see what that person did or said or war, whatever it might be? It's not from God. Now, I want to spend some time on this word for receive. Now, you all know one of my favorite people to look at for Greek words. I just love the way that he paints the picture is Brother Rick Renner. And I thought, surely Brother Rick Renner is going to get into this. So I pulled out both of his volumes on these things and I looked for this word. He does not cover it. He doesn't even mention it. There's not a single place in his two big volumes that he even mentions this word. <laughs> you see, in the, in the, in the Bible, if you look up the word receive, how many have vines at home? Only a couple of you. I tell you what, one of the things you ought to have in your home library is a copy of vines. We've, we've actually spent some time on it before showing you how to use the thing. Because it is one of the most useful tools that's, that's out there. And you don't have to know any, any Greek at all to use it. And it's phenomenal in its use. And we're going to see a little bit of that comes out with this one here today. But if you look it up, I didn't write down the number. I think if you look up the word receive in the vines, there are something somewhere around 14 to 16 words in the Greek that are used. 14 to 16 words in the Greek that are translated receive. That's a lot. The number one word used in the New Testament for receive is the Greek word lambano. It is used over 250 times in the New Testament. The next number of uses of this are derivatives of lambano. They just put a prefix in front of it. For the next six listings, you're going to see a prefix in front of lambano. And you're going to see that. So predominantly, the word for receive comes from the Greek word lambano. And the prefixes change the meaning of it slightly. And if you want, go in there and look up Vines, you can look up the word receive and you can check out all the different uh, derivatives that are there. But if you go out, if you look at the, the vines and you go down to listing number eight in the list that's there, you will find the word that we're looking at here today. This particular word, it's not uncommon in the Greek. In fact, it is used in over 47 verses 
more than 47 times. Some verses have as many as four references of this one word. This, this word, decobai, it means to receive by deliberate and ready reception of what is offered. Now, just a little plug for vines here. I think we, there's a, there's about four or five different vines you can get out there. There's one I like the best. Just the way they lay things out. Because apparently, uh, different ones have laid it out differently. And, uh, we actually bought some copies in and we were, um, letting people buy them for what we got them for. I just made sure I got the right one. The one that I use. And I don't know if we still have some of them back over there. If not, uh, I can try, probably give you a listing to CBD or a place like that. And you can go out there and get them yourself. But if you don't have one, it would be useful. And here's one of the things that Vines does that very few reference materials are out there will do. And he did it on this word. I was so glad, grateful that he did. He did it on this particular word. You see, sometimes when there's a whole lot of words that are being used for a particular one, he takes and he contrasts two of the words. And he says, most of the time that this word is being used, it's for this purpose. And most of the time that this word is being used, it's for this purpose. And you can see the difference in it. And then when you go back and you look at the word of God and you see when this word is being used, oh, this is what we're trying to emphasize. And this is what we're trying to emphasize over here with this one. So I'm going to read to you right what, what uh, Vine says about this. This word is distinct from lambano in that in most instances, lambano suggests a self-prompting prompted taking the self-prompted taking you decided to go and take it whereas decomai more frequently indicates a welcoming or an appropriating reception in other words it's coming to you and you just you welcome it if you want an example of this you could say that if uh, if I had a baseball in my hand and I, I I had it out here and you wanted it and you came up and received it, you just took it right out of my hands. I'm I'm holding it out there and you came up and you received it and took it out. You didn't steal it from me. I'm holding it out there to you, but you made the decision to come up and to take it. I could say something. Does anybody here want a baseball and somebody makes the decision and comes on up here and grabs the thing out of my hand and takes it? So there's an act on on your part to do it, but. When you use the word decomai, it's kind of like if I had a baseball in my hand and I decided that Vanessa wanted it and I tossed it to Vanessa. Now, I tossed it to her, but then she has to go into a mode to, to catch it and to receive it. Otherwise, it's just going to bounce someplace else. It might even hit her and bounce and go someplace else. She has to actually do something to receive it. So it's on its way. She didn't have to physically go out there and and come up to me and take it or make a decision on her part. The decision was made on my part. I sent it. But what she has to do is then receive it. I got to get myself in a position to to receive that ball and and to take that. So Dekomai more frequently indicates a welcoming or an appropriating Reception. I want to read you a few other places where this word is used. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man does not receive, there's our word, decomai. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 
The natural man does not receive the things of God. These things that are spiritual are being sent out. God is sending them, but the natural man cannot get in a position to receive it. They're spiritual. You need your spirit to, to receive these things. This is one place where this word is used. First Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it. <laughs> even used the word welcome there. When you receive the word of God, which you heard from us. So he spoke the word. It's in the air. And some people would receive it. They would take it in and they would they would hear it. They don't have to go out and get anything. Those words are being spoken out and they heard. Oh, yes, yes, I, I received that. That's this is good truth. Second Thessalonians verse two or chapter two, verse nine. Our word is not until verse 10, but I wanted to, to get the, the whole thing here. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders and with all ungodly. I, I'm sorry. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So the love of the truth was sent out to them. But they didn't receive the love of the truth. Therefore, they could love other things. Now, we hear a lot talking about uh, 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 fake news out there and, and false things, but it's been going on for a very, very long time. Because if you can get the people to be in love with something that is false... When they hear what is truth, they won't receive it. See, the problem with me accepting false teaching is when I receive that false teaching, it means I don't receive anything else. I've stopped receiving that. You have to let go of what is false in order to receive what is true. And many people won't do it. There are people out there who just say, well, God won't send people to hell. He's a loving God. So they won't receive the truth of what God's word says. Why does God talk about a hell if he's not sending anybody there? Why does he give a warning if no one's on their way? Matthew chapter 11, verse 14. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. So in other words, he's, t- he's giving a, t- a truth out here. He says, if you're willing to receive In other words, if you will welcome this, he is Elijah to, that is to come. In other words, I know some of you won't hold on to that. Some of you will let it go because you're holding on to something else. But if you're willing to receive it, I'll tell you the truth here. Elijah, he is Elijah who is to come. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Did you see it in there? The word Take. And take the helmet of salvation. You see, the, helmet, the, the armor of God has been offered to you. It's here. But here it's actually interpreted taking. You'll see that a number of times in the, in the Word of God where it is. Where when I welcome it in, there's actually a taking that goes on. But I still have to welcome what has been sent to me. I still have to receive. You see, he says, put on the whole armor of God because not everyone will. The armor of God is there, but not everyone will put it on. Not everyone will look for it. Not everyone will feel it's necessary. But he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now in Luke chapter 14, I want you to look at some people who were supposed to receive something, but they didn't. 
In Luke chapter 14 and verse 15, you'll remember the story. We're not going to get into the details of the story. I just want to see the overall picture here. Verse 15, Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now that sounds like a nice statement, doesn't it? But apparently, Jesus didn't hear it exactly the way that maybe we are hearing it. And so he set off to tell the story. That's what caused the story to be told. Then he said to him, to who? The guy who said it. A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have brought five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Well, did they receive an invitation? They did. They received an invitation apparently before the the supper was coming. So they received the invitation and they had it there. But then other things came up and they made plans to do other things. Which means when the invitation came, though they had it in their hands, they didn't receive it. If they received it, they would have treated it honorably. They would have done something different with it. They would have put it on their calendar. They would have uh, made plans to go. Remember, next week we got that wedding. We got that supper. We got that big feast. We got to make sure that we're there. Now think of it this way. Have you ever been invited to a wedding that you did not want to go to? Has that ever happened? The wedding invitation, you knew it was coming. It comes, ah. So-and-so's getting married. I really don't want to go to this wedding. Now, there could be all kinds of reasons. They may carry on and act in ways that you just don't want to be around. They may, You may not be in favor of these two people getting married. For whatever the, the reason that is there. You, there could be all kinds. And there may be good, maybe bad. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. But there's something that's going on that has caused you to say, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And so we really don't want to go. And so what we look for, come on. I look for a reason. Oh, is that going on this week? Oh, that's so good. And we put that on our calendar and we immediately call. I'm sorry, I cannot go because this is, I'm so disappointed that I cannot go. I would love to go and be there, part of that thing. But I just can't. I have to be there because this particular thing has gone on. We're kind of glad. We don't really want to go. I don't know that that's the case with all the people that were invited, but I'll bet you it's the case of some of them. Oh, why do we want to go to that wedding? He's just going to there and flaunt how rich he is. 
how extravagant their wedding is, how wonderful their feast is, and all the different things that they're going to have, and whatever it might be. We come up with a reason. They came up with reasons. And they gave him, and they were very polite. Please excuse me from being at this this place. Now, if you go over to Matthew 22, it talks about the story. In verse 5, it says, But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. They made light of the invitation. Ah, it's an invitation. That's not a big deal. In verse 8 of the same chapter, Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. They are not worthy. Now, they were worthy of receiving the invitation. But upon receiving that invitation, they treated the invitation in such a way that it made them unworthy. You see, they got the invitation, but they didn't receive it. They didn't welcome it in. They may have been holding it with their hand, but they didn't welcome it in. You see, folks, this is the problem with us in the in the body of Christ is that God has given us things, but we haven't welcomed them in. God has given me a calling, but I'm not welcoming that calling in because I'd really rather not do this. I'd rather not embrace that. He has given me giftings, but I don't want to step out of my giftings. I don't want to do those things. I feel funny. I feel uncomfortable. I feel put on the spot. Whatever it might be, I haven't embraced it. I know it's there. It's with me, but I haven't embraced it. I'm looking for an excuse to not do it. Well, I tried stepping out and that and people didn't receive it. So I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to do it. We become unfaithful with the thing God has given us. We have excuses for it. Just like the story we first looked at. Man who received the talents. One guy received one. He was unfaithful with it. Went and buried it. He gave his excuse. Didn't hold any water. We looked at that before. In Acts chapter 3, verse, verse 1. You are very familiar with this story, I'm sure. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him when John, uh, with John, Peter said, Look at us. This is one of those times I love the King James Version. Look on us. It's not much different, but I just like it. <laughs> you grow up with certain things, you know, you just get kind of used to it. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. What a powerful statement that is. Expecting to receive something from them. Verse 6. Then said, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Now, most Christians today, if they had what Peter had, 
would would venture to go in like this. They would see the, the person there and they'd be lame and they would say, let me pray for you. Oh God, this man has been lame for so long. I pray right now that you heal him and raise him up well. That's what they would do. But that's not what Peter did. I love what Peter said. And I know this is not revelation to you. This is not new. But Peter came up to him and he said, this is what I don't have. You wanted this, but I don't have that. But what I do have, I am prepared to give to you. What does he have? Healing power from God. He has it. Most Christians will look at this thing. I don't have that. All that belongs to God. I'm just a vessel that sometimes he uses. And if God chooses to use me today, I'll be so glad that he used me. But Peter doesn't say that. He says, look on me. Come on, look right now. I don't have that stuff that you want, but I've got something else. And what I do have, I'm going to give you. So he doesn't ask God. God, is it okay if I give him something? He's not asking for permission. You see, because he embraced it. When he received that gift on him, the gift of healing upon him. And before that, he has the gift of healing on him now. We see that in the rest of the book of Acts because he did unusual things so that people would just line up people on the side of the road and, and Peter would walk on by and his shadow would touch them. And a shadow anointing. That's pretty awesome. Unusual miracles were done by, by some people. They had a gift of healing. But before that, he was commissioned to go and lay hands on the sick and he came back and said, hey, even the demons are subject to our name, to your name, name of Jesus. But he said, I don't have that, but I have this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he's not waiting to see a manifestation. He goes down there and grabs him by the hand and yanks him up. So see, he knows he's got it. And he knows he can give it. You see, when God gives you something, he gives it to you. It is yours to do with. Because he gave it to you. Stop sitting around waiting for God. To move in some kind of way to make this thing go. You don't have to. Now, if you want to tell whether you have been like Peter and you have taken that gift and you embraced it, you have welcomed it in. It is a part of your life. If you want to be able to tell if you're that way or if you're someone like Gideon who there's the gift and he said, uh-uh, not me. I am not a mighty man of valor. If you want to tell, I wrote down some things. I gave you some blank space. You can write down these if you want to. But here's some of the language of a person who has not fully embraced, has not received what God has sent him. I know God called me to this, but I'm not a blank. I know God called me to be an usher. I know God called me to be a worship leader. I know God called me to be an evangelist. I know God called me to lay hands on the sick. But I'm really not a... And we think that's humble. That is not humble. That is unfaithful. Because until you receive... What the Father gives, 
You cannot be faithful with it. Can't be faithful with it. When the story that we looked at, we began this with the talents. Each one of them had to receive the talents that they were given. Each one had to receive it. When you had the, the parable of the minus, each one had to receive those minus. They had to take it in. They had to receive it. Even the guy who buried it, he still had to receive it. They had to take it on as their own. You couldn't see it as the master's. I had to see it as mine. And I had to do something with it. I know God called me to whatever it is that God has called me to. I know God called me to this, but I'm not. You see, if I adopted that, and if I said, I know God has called me to be a pastor, I know God has called me to be a teacher, but I'm not really a teacher. That would be, that would be bad, wouldn't it? Now you could recognize that in, in me right away, but how many times we don't recognize it in ourselves? If God calls you to something, then you are. God called Gideon to be a mighty man of valor and to deliver the people. So God saw him as a mighty man of valor and a deliverer. God called Moses to be a deliverer, so he saw him as a deliverer. What did Moses see himself as? A shepherd. Here's another thing you could write down. Maybe you've said this about the area of ministry that you're in, as you're going about and doing this thing that God has called you to. Have you ever said, don't raise your hand? Just smile and look straight ahead and just laugh like other people did it. <laughs> I don't have the patience for this. Now let me break this statement down for you. What you're saying is, God has called me to this, but I have not been equipped to handle what's coming my way. <laughs> now if God calls you to something, then He also give you the grace for it. Which means, you got all the patience you need. Your flesh is getting in the way. Now, there's a reason why these things come out of our mouths. We'll get into that in just a little bit. All right, here's another one. I know I need people to help me, but I can't stand the way they fill in the blank. <laughs> come on. Here's another one. God, I need you to equip me with in other words, God called you, but He didn't give you what you needed. If God called you, He gave you what you needed. It's already there. I want you to think about this. Paul was called to be an apostle of faith. When did God equip him? Think about it in the, in the Word of God. In the Word of God, where did Paul become equipped? <laughs> he was born that way. When did Moses get bestowed the deliverance anointing? He was born that way. Folks, you've been born with a whole lot more than what you know. Stop asking God to give it to you. It's just another way you haven't embraced what God has given you. Here's one. I'm sure I won't get anybody on this one, but I'll throw it out here anyway, okay? Nobody appreciates what I do. You see, you have not become that ministry. 
you're still looking for certain things to happen and when it happens then you'll embrace it but you're keeping a protective distance between yourself and that ministry just in case it fails just in case it doesn't have the success that I think it should All right, well, maybe maybe this one will work for you. This ministry is such a drain on me. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is. So if I got something that is a drain on me, guess what? I'm not embracing what God has called me to. I've embraced something different. And the enemy loves for you to embrace something different because you'll never take ownership of it. You'll never become faithful with it. And it'll wear you down. And you'll drop out of everything. All right, just one more. This ministry is just not worth it. See, I have not become that person yet. I learned this. This is not new revelation for me. I want you to know. I learned this back in college. That's how long ago I learned this. I learned this way back. I told you I learned lessons from being a runner. This was one of the lessons that, and I don't, I've shared some stuff about running. There's a whole lot of stuff I never share except with other runners. There's one time I broke that rule and I shared it with someone who was a cyclist and his jaw hit the ground. And I said, okay, I'm not going to share this with if They're not a runner. And I don't mean a person who goes out and jogs. I mean someone who runs. If they aren't that, I am not talking. There's a whole lot of stuff I don't talk to you about. Positive and negative. There are some negative sides. To How many have ever heard me talk about a negative side of running? <laughs> I mean, something that I hate does. Because <laughs> I don't talk about it much. What I talk about is the positive side. But I learned that if you become a runner, then you embrace the lifestyle. And everything that comes along with it is yours. That's who you are. That's what you are. And you just embrace it. And once I learned that, and I got a hold of that, and I didn't learn it until college. I was running, running, running all kinds of times before that. Didn't learn it until college. When I embraced that, and I became a runner, there was nothing that could stop me from seeing myself as a runner. If I got injured and was off for weeks, out of my mouth would come, I'm a runner. Everything out of my mouth would be, I'm a runner. You see, if you embrace the ministry that God has for you, if you embrace the gifting that God has for you, everything out of your mouth is going to be about you doing that. You don't have to sing your praises, but you'll learn. This is what God has called me to be. Now, we got more to get into those, those verses that are there, but before we get into the rest of Matthew, we're going to go over to Mark. Mark chapter 9, verse 33. Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to him, he said to them, whoever receives me, there's our word, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. 
Two times that word is used. And whoever receives me, three times that word is used, receives not me, but him who sent me. Four times that word is used in this sentence. That is the word that means to receive by a welcoming in. Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. Now see, they were talking about how to be the the greatest. And if you uh, know the word of God, not only does he not tell them not to ever do this again, he tells them how to become the greatest. You know, if you don't want your kids climbing trees in the backyard, don't teach them how to do it. Because if you teach them how to do it, guess what? They're going to do it. Jesus taught them how to become the greatest in the kingdom. That means he wanted them to become the greatest in the kingdom. I want you all going for this thing. Here's how you do it. Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Same phraseology we had before. But here was a little child. We can get into all the details of that, but again, we're looking for a particular thing here. So easy to get sidetracked. Verse 38. Now John answered him saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name and we forbid him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. Now would you say that the disciples, when they saw this individual casting out devils in the name of Jesus, when they saw him, do you, would you say they received him? No, they did not receive him. They were against him. See, there were some who did not follow us. Well, they, we expect they ought to follow us. Jesus is saying, hey, lighten up. If they're not against us, they're for us. Now, our, our philosophy anymore is if they're not for us, they're against us. You know, if they're in another church, another denomination, and they're not for this, 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 and this, then um, they're against us. No, he doesn't say that. Verse 41, For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think it's a very good outcome. (laughs) If a millstone were hung around my neck and were thrown out into the sea, we're not talking about a pool. We're talking, uh, you know, the the ocean type stuff. And and sink down. You can go down pretty far. And uh, don't see that being pleasant in any way. Now he says here, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me, see they believe in him, to stumble. What could do that in this context? Jesus is very contextual in how he teaches. What could do that? Now you can write these down if you want to. I just came up with two things. You might be able to come up with more if you think about it some more. First off, one of the things that caused somebody to be to stumble is not receiving them. Didn't he just talk about the, the guy who's out there casting out demons in the name of Jesus? And they didn't receive him? 
We don't want to cause them to stumble. Go out there and receive them. Casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And apparently it was going. It's working. If I don't receive certain people because I don't like something in their life, I could be a cause for them to stumble. I got to make sure I don't do that. See, sometimes we expect more perfection out of people than God does. God is willing to whittle away at our imperfections little by little. And he sees certain things that are going on and he overlooks them. Well, we're not going to mess with that right now. We've got to be, we've got to be messing with, with this. We've got to be taking care of this. This is the priority right now. This is what we're working on. And then you come along and you pinpoint some of those other areas because you're so spiritual. And you have determined that they are sinners. And they have no value. And you need to make sure that everyone knows about this. You've not received them. So that's one way that we can cause them to stumble. Here's a second way. Sharing something wrong I've received. We see examples of that in the Word of God where people have received wrong things. We've, we talked about some of these in the past weeks. Paul was exhorting about some of the ones that were in his, his group. They received some wrong invitation, uh, some wrong revelation and they began to teach it to other people. And he said he over, caused some to have their faith overthrown. I got to make sure that the stuff I share comes from the Word of God. I've told you my standard for it. Most of you have adopted that as well. That if something is in the Word of God and I'm going to teach it to you, it's going to have three things as part of it. First off, it's going to be in the Word clearly. It's not some veiled reference. It's in there clearly. Secondly, it's going to be in the Word of God often. And third, someone did it. Now, I may teach some things that don't meet all three of those criteria, but I teach it to you as I'm not sure or here's something that's just for you to know. But if our life is to be governed by it, it's going to meet those three criteria. And so every time that you ever heard me teach, I'm always bringing out examples and showing you multiple scriptures on it because it's important that you see it. Be careful of people who just teach you a doctrine that's out of one verse of scripture and nobody did it. That's not a good way to go. Now, I gave you lots of room in here for this. If you miss these, they're on the online version of the, when I, when I put the podcast up, you can go back there and get it from there because it's a lot here. It's on that one, but I didn't want you jumping ahead on me. <laughs> so I've got four things here. A receiving person characteristics that are things that a receiving person would do. If I'm going to receive someone, if I'm going to receive something, there's four things that ought to be going on. First thing is accepting their gift of ministry. If I'm going to be a receiving person, I will accept my gift in my ministry and I will also accept your gift in your ministry. I will accept it. I will be accepting of gifts and ministries. That if God gave me a gift, God gave me a ministry. Father God, I thank you. And I've received that. I don't disqualify myself. Well, God, you know, I'm just not qualified for this. I am the weakest man and the weakest family and the weakest tribe. Don't pull a Gideon. Don't pull a Moses. I don't want to do it. 
Don't, don't do, do any of that. Except the gift in the ministry. Second, if I'm going to be a receiving person, I'm going to see them as good and beneficial. I'm going to see them accepting their gift of ministry and seeing them as good and beneficial. How many times has the enemy come across to you? That person is bad. That person is not good. And all I see when I see them is the bad. All I see is the stuff that's not good. You've got to get past that. If you're going to be faithful to the things that God's given you, you've got to be accepting of the gift in ministry. It's not your gift in ministry. It's their gift in ministry. It's got their flavor to it. It's all right. Seeing them as good and beneficial. Third, supporting them by providing what they need for what they do. If I'm going to be in a receiving person of someone, I've got to support them by providing what they need for what they do. Now keep that in mind because we're going to come back to that here in a little bit. So accepting their gift in ministry, seeing them as good and beneficial, supporting them by providing what they need for what they do. And lastly, rejoicing for them by speaking words of edification about and to them. Accepting, seeing, supporting, rejoicing. You want to be rejoicing for them by speaking words of edification about to them. What the enemy likes to get us to do, though, is to begin, did you see what so-and-so, did you see how so-and-so, oh, I can't believe they did. We're not in the rejoicing part. We've mentioned this to you a number of times and just recently again. If I'm complaining, I'm not rejoicing because the Word of God says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, so rejoicing is important. Complaining is not. Don't put time into it. All right, let's go back over to Matthew chapter 10. Verse 40. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. You can take, take another look at this too. It's important that you not be obnoxious. Because if you are an obnoxious minister of the gospel and they refuse you, they will in turn refuse Jesus. Don't be obnoxious. Get those things worked out. Let's go on here. This is where we want to focus on. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if I were to ask you to use your inside hands, if you were a prophet, not everyone could raise their hand on that. If I were to say, who's an apostle? Not everybody could raise their hand on that. Who is a pastor? Who's a teacher? Who's an evangelist? Not everyone could raise their hand on that. And so we look at this and we say, well, there's the five-fold ministry. Not everyone is called into the five-fold ministry. Certain ones are. And we could look at that and be disappointed because I can't get the reward of the five-fold ministry because I wasn't called to it. Except that this verse of Scripture right here tells you that everyone can get the reward. He says, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you shall receive a prophet's reward. So even though you are not a prophet, you can receive the same reward that prophet's going to receive if you receive them. Can you see why the enemy likes to get you to talk about ministers in a derogatory way? 
Because if I speak evil about what Brother Creflo Dollar spent his money on, how Brother Jesse Duplantis dresses, the house that so-and-so lives in. Nancy Dufresne was up there talking about her house. And we get a little offended because of so-and-so's house that they live in. And we begin to use that as a reason to, to talk about it. Well, that means I'm not receiving them, is it? That means I'm not going to get the reward. Let's look at receiving again. Accepting their gift of ministry, seeing them as good and beneficial, supporting them by providing what they need for what they do, and rejoicing for them by speaking words of edification about and to them. Now, let's take a look at those four, those, those four things. Jesus had how many disciples? Twelve. He had twelve. He had a bunch of other followers, but he had twelve disciples. Were the disciples accept, accepting of the ministry and the gifts of Jesus? When Jesus said, who do you say that I am? What did they say? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. When all the rest of the people deserted him because of his teaching, he looked at them and he said, you're going to leave too? And they, they said, you have the words of life. Where else are we going to go? Are they accepting of his gift and his ministry? Did they see Jesus as good and beneficial? Did they support him by providing what he needed for what Jesus did? They went around, they set up meetings, did crowd control, whatever it was they was needed, they did it. And they rejoiced by speaking words of edification to Jesus. Now there are sometimes they faltered from that, but they, they got back around. So you can see that it was operating there. You could also take some time and, and look at the lives of uh, Paul and the people that were under him. You'll see the same thing going on. But you see, if, if you receive the ministry that are presented to you, you can receive their reward. So think about it this way. If you receive a prophet, if you receive an evangelist, if you receive a pastor, if you receive a teacher, if you receive an apostle, and you do the things that are necessary to help those, those areas of ministry, what reward is waiting for you in heaven? <laughs> the reward of an apostle, the reward of a prophet, the reward of a pastor, teacher, evangelist, whatever it might be, is waiting for you there. You see, because when Jesus was, was going to start his ministry, the one thing he knew is that he could not do all the things that had to be done if he's going to get the thing done. So the first thing he set out to do was pick some people to help him. So early on in the ministry, he picks out the 12. He's got other people following beside that, but he picks out the 12. These 12, we're going we're, we're gonna to have to be, be part here. He's going to rely on them. And we saw the Garden of Gethsemane. He took them into the garden. I need you all to pray with me. And three of them, he took even closer to them. He says, pray with me. He needed them. They didn't come through for him then. But he needed them to. But there's things that Jesus needed for them to do. And for the most part, they did it. They rowed the boat. They sailed the boat. They uh, planned out where they were going. How to get there. Took care of all that sort of stuff. So he didn't have to do it. You see, when we have things going on around here, uh, we have uh, lots of people that do do many things. You, you can't just have, you know, I, I, I'm in a role of a pastor, but you can't just pastor by yourself. you got other people to, to do things. We've got a worship team. 
Worship leaders, we got sound people. We got people on the computer. We got ushers. We got people that pray over folks and greet people and uh, clean up the church and keep everything ready. We got all kinds of people doing all kinds of things because if all those people weren't doing those kind of things, then the, it, it wouldn't be done the way that it needs to be done. And things wouldn't be, be going on. And so, I, I'll put it to you this way. If I need something, then the ministry needs it. And those people who pick it up and take it, are they receiving? Are you receiving the ministry of, the, of, of this particular pastor? Yeah. So then what happens when the rewards are handed out? I'm not the only one getting the reward, am I? See, everyone else will go along and get it as well. I don't, you don't, ha- you don't have to be called into the particular ministry to receive that ministry's reward. That's what he's setting up here. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. Now, Brother Hagin, he would tell us, he, ha- he operated in the ministry of a prophet for uh, the end of his, his ministry. And he would tell some people didn't receive him as a prophet. They received him as a teacher. And they received the ministry of a teacher. Now Jesus had the ministry. He was, he was in the healing ministry. Did some people not receive him as a healer? And what happened to them as far as getting healed? They did not because they didn't receive the healing ministry. Some people didn't see him as a teacher. They saw him as, as spreading lies, falsehoods. And they confronted him all the time. Did they receive revelation? No. Because they didn't receive that ministry that was there. You see, if you're going to receive from that ministry, then you have to, you have to operate in a certain way. You have to have a certain mentality towards it. Just because you're in the meeting didn't mean that it's all going to happen. We've told you this part before, but when Jesus had that meeting in his house, and the people came in, they opened up the, door, the roof up above. And they lowered the guy down. The, uh, the, the meeting is described as the Spirit of God was present to heal them. But who got healed? Him. So their problem with the way Jesus ministered healing shut down everyone else from receiving healing. Even though the Spirit of God was present to heal them, no one else got healed. In Capernaum, Jesus could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. They didn't receive. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Now, let me show you something. He who receives, what word is that? You say it out loud. Don't forget this one. Decomai. Decomai. He who receives a prophet, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet, shall receive a prophet's reward. What word is that? It's lambano. In the same same verse, he uses two different Greek words for receive. The first one, he says, he who receives, he who decomize, he who welcomes in a prophet, shall lambano a prophet's reward. Now see, in our, our Bible, it's the same word. How many times you read that over and never knew that there was two different words there? He who welcomes a prophet shall 
take. It's offered, but you're going to step up. You are going to be actively involved. You will receive a prophet's reward. Huh. He does the same thing with a righteous person. He receives a righteous man, in the name of a righteous man, shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, surely I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. You see, it doesn't matter what the prophet needs. What matters is that the need is there. And if you step in and not only receive by accepting their gift and ministry, seeing them as good and beneficial, but you receive them by supporting them, providing what they need for what they do, and rejoice in them, speaking words of edification about them and to them. If you'll do those four things for the people that are in your life, that are around you in ministry, you will receive the same reward they do. Now, if you go the opposite way, and you decide to be one of those people who takes a, a brother, Fred Price, loved his teaching. Don't hear it too much anymore. Um, but, oh, loved, loved sitting underneath that, here, hearing the, his teaching. It's wonderful stuff. But if you decide to be, not that any of you, not a single person here I expect to be that way, but if you were out there and you, oh, I don't like brother Fred Price. I don't like the way he, and I don't like this. And, and What have you done? I've cut myself off from that reward. Cut it off. I'm not going to receive that reward. You also don't get the reward of understanding or revelation from anything that he taught or anybody else that's out there. There's, a, there's some good people out there. God's gifted them to teach in certain areas, certain things. Receive it. Be accepting other gifts, seeing them as good and beneficial, supporting them by providing what they need for what they do and rejoicing for them by speaking words of edification about and to them. The enemy is against you doing all these things. The enemy robs people of their reward in messing with their receiver. See, if the enemy can mess with your receiver, he will shut down your reward. Now, look at the, the prevailing thought. And with some of the things we're doing with Facebook, folks, we get to be t- more tied in with this prevailing thought than I probably like to be. How many people stay at home on Sundays? I don't need church. I don't need organized religion. I don't need somebody teaching me. What has the devil done for them? He's cut them off from every person in ministry thereby affecting their reward. When they get to heaven and they see all the other people getting reward, I didn't get one. How come I didn't get one? You cut yourself off from it. It's right there in the Word of God. You cut yourself off. Hopefully they get into heaven because that's good. Put this in your outline for you. If I cause one to stumble, I cause them to receive something not of the truth. That's basically a summary of it. If I, if I don't receive them, if I tell them they're no good, I'm telling them something is not true because how does God see them? 
If God can see Gideon as a mighty man of valor, a good guy, stop seeing other people that way. I'm telling them something that's not true. You're no good. Don't be, don't be doing that. Don't be selling them on something that's not true. Don't be getting some, some thing that they, that you heard, never checked out and start passing it off. You shouldn't do that with the Word of God and you sure shouldn't do it with the news media. Most of the things out of the mouth of the news media is lies. You should not be repeating them. You're going to be a spreader of untruth. Don't do it. The only way that you can spread untruth is if you receive it. I love Brother Rick Renner's phrase on this one. He was, it was just absolutely wonderful. Long, long time ago. He doesn't have this series out, <clears throat> out anywhere. I'm still looking to see if I can find it in my, cause I had it. He, uh, he uh, made this statement. He said, in order to be a deceiver, you must first be deceived. I don't know how many years he told me that. I've hung on to him. See, if I, can, if I allow myself to be deceived, I will then become a deceiver. And I don't want to do that. I was from a series he did. He had some of the best titles for his series. He doesn't do too many of the series anymore. He had some of the best titles. This one was called How to Respond When You Receive the Judas Kiss. I mean, how good is a title that you can remember it 30 years ago? <laughs> 30 years, over 30 years ago, I got that series. I could, it's a tape album back in when they were all doing tapes. This big. Stuffed with tapes. How to Respond When You Receive the Judas Kiss. What a phenomenal. He just had these great ones he would, he would do. But anyway, you have a receiver. Keep it in good working order. Need you to maintain it. Give what is good by receiving what is good. First off, receive what is good. And then go out there and give what is good. If you receive what is bad, you're going to give what is bad. Jesus taught it before. A bad well gives what kind of water? Bad water. A good well gives what kind of water? Good water. You're not going to get both good and bad water from the same well. The well's either going to be good or it's going to be bad. Which way are you going to go? Which way are you going to go with your, with your faithfulness? You are a receiver. Now what are you going to receive? Because you, you all know people that have received bad things They've received bad people. That's good. And you've seen how it has affected their life. I may have ever been near a drug addict. You may run yeah. You can you can see them. Their death takes over their body. Their eyes change. Their hair changes. Their body changes. Their desires change. Holding a job changes. All these things change. And yet, what do they crave? More of the drug. You can't get them away from it. It's destructive. It's bad. But they crave it. You're a receiver. You receive good things. You'll desire more good things. But if you receive bad things, and you let them in, you'll receive more bad things. 
And the enemy wants nothing more than to mess with your reward by messing with who you receive and what you do. Every single person who's involved in the ministry here, for all the good that we do, for all the people's lives that we've stabilized with the Word of God, that's not my reward, folks. That's ours. It's all of ours. For the people who came in because the worship was so wonderful, or the music sounded so good. For the people that are out on Facebook that are listening, the only way they can get out. I saw some people who were on the Facebook, uh, uh, responded to some of the Facebook things we did. And this one lady in particular, she says, I can't get out of the house. I told her, we got a Facebook feed. She might even be listening today. And she, and she wrote back, she says, oh, that's wonderful. I'll make sure I do that. <laughs> can't get out of the house. But uh, because, you know, and Brother Darrell had a vision for, for this. We, we, we got it, kind of got it started over there, but he picked it up, picked it up and, and took it from there. Other people have had the vision for what we can do with the worship team. And other people have had vision for what we can do in the ushers and, and uh, uh, just so many different things. And we take that vision and we, we launch it and people are ministered in a positive way. You see, it's all our reward. It's all of it. Don't ever let the devil tell you that it's not worth it. Don't ever let that lingo come out of your mouth. This isn't worth it. Oh, yes, it is. Because what we're doing down here has eternal rewards. And the people and the things and the gifts that I deco my received with a welcoming attitude will qualify me up in heaven to go and to take what is being offered as a reward. When he offers me this crown, I can go up and I can receive it because of what has gone on down here. Don't let the devil ever tell you what you're doing is not important because you are not an apostle, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Because every single one of us is involved in those ministries if we simply receive them. Would y'all stand up with me? Father, I thank you that you have given us the opportunity to not just receive the reward for what we do, but to receive the reward for gifts that are not even a part of our life. They're not in us, but we have teamed up with prophets, apostles, pastors, teachers. We've teamed up with them. And by us receiving them, doing the things that we need to to support them, we receive their reward. I thank you for it. With every head bowed, no one looking around. If you can say here that the devil, the enemy, has hit on you to tell you that what you're doing isn't worth it, that he has discouraged you to try and quit to see what you're doing as not having any value, and it doesn't matter, and no one appreciates you, and all those other things that could be said. He's gotten this wording inside of you. You're thinking it, processing it, maybe even saying it. It'll bring you to a place of unfaithfulness. But thank God we can repent. Just like Moses, just like Paul, 
Just like Abraham, just like Gideon, we can repent. And God welcomes us back. And so let's go. Let's get him. If you're here today and you say, yeah, I have not been the receiver that I need to be. But I'm going to change that. Raise your hand here. Father, those hands that are up, you see them. We've repented of these things that we've done. We've not walked in the way of a receiver. But we're changing it now. I'm going to walk in the way of a receiver that I may receive the reward that you desire me to have. I thank you that I can be accepting of the gifts and callings in others. I can see their benefit and the good that they bring. I can be providing for them and the things that are needed. Glory to God. I thank you, Father, that we can do these things. And I can be rejoicing in what you're doing through them. I give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Sister Marguerite. Good morning, everyone. Um, I know as uh, we sat and heard the word that um, it has, well, has been a joy to my spirit, and I, I trust that it has been for each one of you. Um, the Word of God is so rich, and it teaches us so many things. And uh, it's a lot to take in, but I'm thankful that each and every week we receive teaching that we can go back um, over the next week and delve into, and it can really enrich our lives, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, there's a, a quote by Zig Ziglar in our bulletin it says it's not what you've got it's what you use that makes a difference and the teaching that um, we are receiving if we just put it aside and say you know that was a really good teaching and just go on with our lives as if we've never heard it we don't uh, benefit from it but if we take that teaching and say well we've received that that's something that we've we've received and then um, allow God to help us to make a difference. Um, that's a lifetime journey of things that we can do. But it, I think it's a really, uh, it's a lot better than sitting around saying, well, you know, oh, woe is me. Uh, this is exciting. This is something that we can do. And we thank God for the teaching that we are receiving and that we can learn. And this time next year, uh, we are farther along because of the teaching that we receive. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, when we're children, we receive rewards, uh, you know, from our uh, our classroom or our teacher and different things. And it's kind of nice to know that as adults, as we grow, that um, one day when this world is is done, that we will be rewarded. And God says in His Word, and that's exciting. This, the word of God is exciting, and the things that he has for us are very exciting. So it just gives us hope uh, in this life. We have some praise reports. We have one from Daryl Williams. 
Um, he says, uh, the check light, the ABS light came on in the car, but praise God that all that was needed was some brake fluid for, uh, for the problem. So, um, we thank God that it wasn't something, um, a lot more and more costly. We, we, and we're appreciative of every great gift, every small gift. We're so appreciative to God. And um, Sister Candy is saying that um, they needed tires for their car, so they went to the dealership, and the tires, it was kind of expensive. It came to over $1,000. And then they uh, realized that they needed a battery for their car key fob. They were telling the uh, gentleman that was in charge of that and how much they had spent on the tires already, and um, he told them not to worry about it. Uh, the money for the battery, it was on him. So that was a blessing, and they thank God for that. So, um, again, we um, in everything that we can see in life, we can look at uh, look at it one way or the other, and and seeing something like that, it's a it seems like a small thing, but it's a really big thing when um, the course of life is is taking uh, is taking over, and you say, you know, that was a really nice thing. I can mention one thing that happened to me this week. Uh, I was. Um, traveling on a road that they were doing a lot of work on. And I was sitting there and, you know, how they had the stop sign to tell you to stop or to uh, proceed slowly. So I was sitting there. And um, the way that I wanted to go, I wanted to make a left turn. And um, I could see at first I was sitting there. There were no cars behind me, so I was okay. But then I saw uh, traffic start to come behind me. And the gentleman that was uh, doing the signs, he... Uh, he came over to the car and he said, you know, do you want to make a turn? I said, well, I do, but their car is starting to go, you know, stack up behind me. So I'll just go straight and come back down. And um, he indicated, okay, that would be fine. So I, as I started to proceed, there was another gentleman that, um, as you know, indicated that I should stop. And he started to move some cones where I could make the turn. And, you know, I thanked him and it was, it seems like a really small thing, but it was a, a, a nice thing that he did. And I, I received and it just kind of made me smile. So I try to look at different things in life like that because, um, life is going to have its difficulties. And if we look at the good things in life, we look at the good things in people, it can give us a smile and it will, I, for me, it just kind of helps me get through some of those things that can come up in life. And we can say, you know, um, I can get through this. You know, God has sustained me in these other things. I can get through this. So I'm, I'm just appreciative for those. We all like the, the big things and that's okay. But those small things, those small things just kind of build and give us, uh, just a, just kind of a little spring in our step. So I'm grateful for that. Um, this week, um we today is our covered dish and and <clears throat> excuse me it's our church meeting so there's food provided um we welcome everyone to stay and to enjoy the food with us and then um there will be discussion uh about the egg hunt that's uh, to come about next week and the items that will be needed for that so we'll start right after service and we usually um finish around 2:15 so everyone is invited and we just uh, encourage you to stay and just have fellowship, and then we will uh, just be discussing some important things. 
Again, I'll mention uh, the egg hunt is Sunday, uh, April 7th. That's next week in the afternoon. And we really have a great time. So I hope all of you will um, join us for that. Um, we, I see in our um, bulletin uh, one of our uh, members here, Ento, she has a missions trip on uh, Wednesday the 17th. She's going to be discussing her mission trip. Uh, with us on uh, Wednesday the 17th. And in so doing, I find it uh, really a joy because missionaries uh, take these trips. Um, it's, not, uh, it's not something where they're going and laying on the beach. I mean, they are actually involved in ministry and uh, sharing Christ with different ones. So she's going to be doing that um, on Wednesday the 17th. So come out and be a part of that. Um, our Resurrection um, Sunday schedule, Sunday, uh, April 21st, sunrise service is going to be at 7 a.m., and then breakfast will be at 8.15, and Sunday morning service will be a little earlier. It will be at 9.30. So we just encourage all of you to join us. And as we leave today, just, um, uh, well, we're not going to be leaving right after service. Some of you may not be able to stay, but those of you that can stay, um, just greet each other 